What's up, Skytown? It's the world-famous Skyhook Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Pettit, back with the founder, the originator, often imitated, never duplicated, James K. Back off sabbatical, and we're doing the three-man weave this week, or, as I was thinking of when I was taking out the compost, the top entry, the number one seed in the imaginary basketball journalist three-on-three tournament, because we've got Stephen Garner in from Nuts and Bolts Sports. Stephen, obviously, at the point. I'm in the post, and James is making it rain from beyond the arc. What's up, <laughs> folks? How y'all doing? <laughs> doing great, blessing, man. <laughs> <laughs> Steven, so blessing, glad to have y'all. you on, man. So good to have you on. You've been such a great addition to the media section this year. So, so glad that we finally get a chance to talk hoops with you outside of that awkward 10-minute period where we wait for the players and coaches to come to the podium. So glad we're doing this. <laughs> nah, for sure. I appreciate the opportunity to talk hoop. I always fun talking with y'all, so I felt like this was a great opportunity. So let's get to it. <laughs> Absolutely. Most definitely. Well, last night we had the Commissioner's Cup game, highly anticipated matchup between the Las Vegas Aces and the Chicago Sky. And it, it wasn't a dud by any means, but Vegas never trailed. They won by double digits. Asia Wilson put on an MVP-level performance, but it was Chelsea Gray who took home that Most Valuable Player Award. I want to come to the atmosphere and I think the way that the game was presented first before we get into the uh, intricacies of the game itself, because both of you were at All-Star Game, All-Star Weekend, and I wanted to get an idea from both of you of of if you saw any discernible differences from All-Star Weekend uh, and this game. You know, I think this is an event that's just easier to pull off than an entire All-Star Weekend. And honestly, I was more concerned about the attendance that was like heading into the game. And I was driving like on Lakeshore drive to the game. I was like, you know, it's a Tuesday night. I wonder how people are going to prioritize this when it's a commissioner's cup game. I mean, I don't know how many people, like, I think people have picked up on it. I still don't know if they understand the importance of it or like what's at stake, whether they should care about what's at stake. So it was great. Just great to see that there was over, what, 8,900 people at Wintrust yesterday. So that, to me, gave it a little bit more of a playoff atmosphere and just that lively energy that we see at Wintrust anytime it's packed there. Yeah, it definitely felt like a full house. I would have said nine or, or even 10,000, even though you could tell some of the seats at the very top level weren't full, especially on the baseline, just because you really can't see there from the score with the scoreboard, the Jumbotron. But it was definitely a packed house, and, and they were ready. Even when the sky got down early, as soon as they hit those back-to-back threes in the second quarter, Candice and, and Azare, they were on their feet yelling. And Vegas had a number of fans come in as well. So I think as, considering the dichotomy of those two events, the league couldn't have asked for a better crowd. Stephen, what did you think of that? Like, did you, did you feel like this was reminiscent at all of the All-Star game, or did you – or well, did it feel like a playoff game or did it fall somewhere in between that? Like, what were your, th- your thoughts on that one? Yeah, I feel like because the stakes were obviously raised for the players and the coaches, but like it brought a different level of intensity. So kind of looking at it from that lens and also looking at, you know, with the league having the court changed to a neutral, a neutral uh, look to it instead of having the skies implement all over the court and everything. Mm. That like kind of added to, you know, the ambiance with the crowd. It felt like, I kind of tweeted about it before the game when I walked in. I was like, it has a playoff-type atmosphere. Of course, it's not quite because it's not do or die, and it's really not a game that's even in the schedule, but because of what was at stake, 
you know, and the, both teams clearly bought into, you know, this thing that the league is essentially experimenting with, with the in-season tournament. Definitely felt like it was a playoff-type atmosphere for sure. And uh, the rotations were, were short, as we well know, for the Aces, that's kind of a necessity. But the Sky ran essentially seven or eight, as, they, as they've been doing for the last couple of weeks now. And you could tell both coaches really, really wanted this win. And uh, Vegas was able to take it home. That's what we want to get into now, because it was a very similar, uh, similar game to the June 21st matchup in Las Vegas, where the Aces got out to a gigantic lead early. The sky chipped away, uh, but in this game, they, they didn't have the, the means, the wherewithal to close that gap and, and take the lead. And a lot of that was due to, well, I mean, it was, it was due to really a total team effort outside of uh, the Aces bench. Although I, I really thought Kia Stokes had some great minutes in the second half, but we yeah. saw a lot from Kelsey Plum. We saw a lot from El, uh, Chelsea Gray, who took the MVP, and we saw a lot from Asia Wilson. I, I think James and I, we got the MVP votes and we were both talking to each other after the game ended. Chelsea Gray got the MVP today. Are you still happy with that? Uh, with that, Or would you have changed it to anybody else on the Aces? Asia Wilson should have won the MVP. I mean, what she did on both sides of the ball, to me it was between, and look, I thought that Chelsea Gray really stopped the sky from being able to really come back in the third quarter. I think that's what won her this award. I think what, I don't know, I thought Asia Wilson was just incredible on the defensive end yesterday and, and the way that she was able to contain the sky's front court a little bit. And like that to me was why she probably should have won this. I mean, going 17-17 with six blocks and two steals, I mean, that's just some all-time shit. And one of the reasons why she is not just an MVP candidate, but a defensive player of the year candidate. It's kind of weird how that discourse around her not being a defensive player of the year candidate. I mean, like people want to talk about her as the MVP. If she doesn't win MVP and it goes to Brianna Stewart, and I do think it's kind of between those two at this point, she should win defensive player of the year because what she showed yesterday was just the patience she has protecting the rim, the way that she just, I mean, the deep, like the sky just trying to move the ball away from where she is on the court. I mean, I thought she had a, like a complete performance yesterday despite getting hacked a bunch, didn't lose her composure. I thought that Asia Wilson should have won. That was that was tough. But again, because if we if we're looking at the game on both sides of the floor, Asia Asia put her stamp on it and then some because she was like James said, did she did everything. She was scored on all levels of the floor, whether it was uh self created from herself or she spaced off after a pick or spaced off on the second side and hit corner threes. Um, she also did a great job playmaking and scoring on the short roll out of the post. Like she, and then on defense, with her being at the five, just all of the things that she brings on that end of the floor, um, from switching, um, just doing everything, active hands. Like I said, getting on the board, she did everything. Like Chelsea, Chelsea Gray had an excellent game, and she hit a lot of tough, tough, tough shots. And had some crazy passes on top of that that I don't know if on TV you can really see, like the zip. And, like, the location that she's putting these passes in, she's a point guy for sure. <laughs> she is. <laughs> but I would have gave it – I would have I would have voted for Asia because of that two-way impact. It was it was just overbearing and just ridiculously incredible, honestly. And also having having eight stocks, six blocks, and two steals, I think uh, someone on Twitter, because uh, I tweeted about it after the game, someone mentioned that that was the second most this season, second to Ezie Magbergo who had – she had nine total. 
um, in a game earlier this season. So just bringing more context to just exactly what Asia did on top of having 17 rebounds, unheard of. She had to have gotten that MVP in my opinion. Yeah, it's it's tough for me, honestly, because we we watched that third quarter and the sky were really starting to close the gap. And Kalia Copper in particular was making plays. She had back-to-back and ones within the span of, I think, 30 seconds. The crowd was mm-hmm. deafening. The sky looked like they were really starting to get on a run, similar to how they did in the third quarter against Las Vegas in June. But it was that point where the team started trading, trading baskets. And that was something the sky really couldn't afford to do. And most of that was largely due to Chelsea Gray, either getting to her patented turnaround or finding Kelsey, uh, Kelsey Plum on kickouts, making the defense collapse. And she had some key defensive plays too. I know she had a steal in the fourth quarter. Um, so she registered a block on the stat sheet. I, I really think that that was the point where the aces needed, they needed a stopper. Uh, like Becky Hammond said in the closer, uh, the press conference, when the when it gets hot and the pressure starts to rise, she's the ultimate cooler. And that's what she was. That's what she was for me in the third quarter. So I agree wholeheartedly with everything you say about Asia. And it's not like things were easier for Vegas in the fourth quarter, but I think at that point, the sky were a bit tired from trying to make up that deficit when they really had the adrenaline going. Uh, Chelsea Gray stopped them cold for me. So I, I'm okay keeping my vote the same the way it was. I think the biggest play of the game was when Candice looked like she had a wide open opportunity in the waiting seconds of the third quarter and Chelsea just comes out of nowhere, like on the weak side and just slaps the ball out of her hands. And that, that ends up being like a four point swing four point with, swing. I think Kelsey Plum missed the layup and then Jackie Young came in and um, just barely got off like the, um, just got off a layup. Right. I guess, it, I guess it would be a tip in um, in this case, mm-hmm. even though she's short. But um, <laughs> I thought that was the play of the game, because if the sky go into that quarter, even let's just say that like Candace misses that bunny and they just go in with a seven point deficit compared to what was it a nine or no, I think it was a 10 point deficit. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. just to keep that in single digits, like mentally, I think that's a it is harder to get over that than it would be to like okay, we're down 10 to a team that, again, arguably has the best starting five in the league. Statistically, I think that you can probably point and look at a few things and say that's the case. But again, they're, they they did exactly what they did before outside with Dirica, where, you know, Chelsea Gray had 32, played 32 minutes, Plum 35, Asia 33, and Young 35. Like, at the, you're, it's going to be hard to beat the Aces in their own game at the end of games like that. So that to me was the play of the game. Yeah. If, if it goes 78, 72, even the way that the sky had been shooting, they had started hitting some of their three point shots and the, the adrenaline just kicks up. Right. And Steven, you know, from experience, just playing when you, when you're able to close a gap and when you have the rotations that the sky have had, have the depth they, they have available to them, it gives you some more leeway and being able to make that deficit up. Whereas with the 10 point, a 10 point deficit, it's at least three possessions and you have to deal with Asia Wilson. You have to deal with De'Erica Hamby and you have to deal with the Aces defense as well as their offense, which maintained a pretty torrid pace. They shot 50% for the game. And that's the thing. That's the thing with the Aces, man. Like people just don't understand. <laughs> they don't understand how, 
how much of a mountain it is to climb because you can consistently play defense on a possession-by-possession basis for 18 seconds. And then here comes Chelsea Gray with an isolation, and she just sticks a dagger in your heart, and then she does it again. Oh, okay, this time it's Kelsey Plum. She gets a switch. What does she do? She either gets to her left hand, gets to the basket, or she stops and pops from three or from the mid-range. And it's like having two tandem, or even Jackie Young for that, for that matter, she can do the same thing the way she's been hitting the three and hitting her pillows from the mid-range this season. Like they have all of these options. They can just they can just say, okay, let's just spread the floor out, forget a set, forget an action, just go one-on-one, go get us a bucket. And they have four players in their starting lineup that can do that, and three of them on the perimeter that are amongst the top of the top as far as elite level talent from the guard position. So, you know, that just that just makes things they're almost impossible to beat on a consistent basis just because there's so much top end talent. And that kind of leads like probably just a good segue into what the sky needed more from the bench yesterday because that would have helped offset a lot of what, you know, the issues that they saw over the course of the game. Yeah, I did want to go into that. In your opinion, this being outside of the regular season, but mm-hmm. just with kind of the escapes that the sky have had over the last few games, do you feel like they're they're in a lull or have they taken any kind of a step back over these last few games? Uh, I noted after after the, the contest, they're shooting 28 of 111 three-point attempts over their last five, which comes out to just above 25%. And last night they were, I think, exactly that, shooting six for 30. And I did do that math in my head. <laughs> if anybody tells you journalists can't do math. But <laughs> do you do y'all feel that the sky um, are kind of hitting the uh, grind and more of a grind part of the season and it's it's showing, or are these games an aberration? I kind of think that these games like I didn't take much from that Liberty game, man. Like they they had plane delays and got there the day of the game and played a few hours later, and they still <laughs> gave the Liberty hell. I mean, they almost had a chance to go into overtime with Emma Meesem and just barely missing that shot at the top of the arc. So. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't really know how much we can – I don't have a ton of takeaways from this game. Like, I, I told Howard this, too. I don't want my recency bias to completely bear hug me here because they still were in this game. They won the turnover battle yesterday. They got to the line more than the Aces, and the thing that stopped them was missing open shots. And I think that with Courtney Vandersloot just had a really tough first quarter yesterday, and – I was wondering if we were going to see more Rebecca Gardner in, in this one, just because of how much she adds to the defense and how much they just needed to stop Vegas on the perimeter. And I think if they go to her maybe a little bit sooner that maybe they're able to pull this one out, but to me, they just have to hit open shots. And when I think the, the sky, what is it? I think 48.2% of their scoring comes in the paint. When teams don't respect your spacing anymore and they're just letting you take open shots, they're able to pack the paint in a way that's just going to stop you from being able to convert on the most efficient shot in basketball. So if they're able to figure things out from beyond the arc, I kind of think that the spacing kind of takes care of itself. And we did see that in the second half, I guess in the second, third quarters of the that Aces game on June 21st when the sky mounted that comeback where the aces really didn't have a couldn't figure out like they were late on defensive rotations because they were so concerned about stopping Alec quickly from burning them from beyond the arc. So to me, I, I think that look, they need to hit open shots, but I don't think I'm worried that this guy took a step back necessarily. I think this has been a problem from them quote unquote problem from them all year 
because they're still 21-7. It's true. <laughs> Steven, um, your thoughts on, on that? Do you feel like uh, there's there's something that the Sky have been missing that they that they haven't had over the last few games or or anything just on that on that topic? Well, I mean, I feel like when you're 21 and 7, that kind of speaks for itself. You're the first team to clinch the playoff berth. Uh, you're just on this torrid pace. You got two big time win streaks spaced out throughout the season. Uh, on top of two more additional uh, three game win streaks, uh, they're doing something right. <laughs> and I just feel like I feel like this is like a natural ebbs and flows part of the season for them. You know, we just got out of the All Star break not too long ago, hitting that home stretch, and it just kind of just kind of experimenting with things in terms of trying to figure out the concrete solution of where they want to be and how they need to go about, you know, using their means to get there. Um, so I kind of feel like just really them just kind of trying to really see if they have that, like when it, when that extra level of play is going to creep in because they definitely have another gear that they can switch it to. It's just a matter of getting through this little, this little flow part of the season. And once they get past it, they'll be fine. And like I said, I didn't, I didn't take much away from this, from the Liberty game or this game uh, from yesterday as well. Um, just because, again, this team has a standard and when the stakes are the highest, they, they prove that they're there and they're ready to, you know, execute and play sky basketball. And you can tell with Coach Wade, especially in, uh, in the post game yesterday, that he was going to make sure that, of course, that game happened. But at the same time, he's going to make sure that they get back to being them. So I'm expecting a pretty loud response from the ladies when they get back on the court, um, starting on Friday and moving forward. But, um, yeah, I just think really in general, it's just kind of them nailing down their rotations, um, trying to figure out how to continue to mesh the many talents that they do have. Because we've yet to see, like, all of the pieces firing off at the same time. It might be Allie one time. It might be Candace, which is almost every day. <laughs> and then now we're seeing Emma. Emma's – popping back in, she's scoring. She's at like 15 points a game since the All-Star break and like eight and seven or something along, something along the lines of that. And she's putting up more shots on top of that. So now we're kind of starting to see everybody's individual dynamics begin to mesh. And once they get it to where everybody's dynamics are meshing at the peak, that's when we're going to start seeing the absolute best version of this guy. So it's just like an ebbs and flow part of the season for me. That was interesting. One, I had one more note just on that game. Like you said, James, the sky got to the line more than the aces did, and it was pretty stark. They got there a lot more than the aces did until it really got to that time at the end of the game where they were fouling. The sky were 13 for 16 from the line at a point where I think the aces were eight for nine um, until that latter part of the game. And it was very, very apparent that not only were they getting to the line, they were making it a point to draw fouls. They were trying to make the referees make calls. And it's something that you've seen since James Wade ten James since James Wade's tenure started. He has had words about the officiating um, as compared to their style of play. Uh, I think it's interesting that they they're in this kind of slump shooting threes, and they said earlier in the season that they're not a three point shooting team, but in the games before this last five game stretch, even I think uh, against Atlanta, which was the start of that five games, they shot eight for 19 from beyond the arc and they've been in a pretty nice stretch of it. But if they can, it kind of remains to be seen if they can get back going from three, that does help their spacing out. And they've got some games to prove it against Connecticut and the finale against Las Vegas in Las Vegas on August 11th. Uh, wanted to ship some quotables since we so great at segues. 
There is a, a James Wade quote that is making the made the rounds last night and had some people kind of scratching their heads to be uh, generous. With the Chicago Sky and they're the Aces, this is a Stephen question, as a matter of fact. They're a big market team and we're not. We're Chicago, so we have to play like Chicago. We have to play like the city. Grind. That's what I want to put on this team. We're going to conquer shit. And a lot of people were wondering how Chicago's not a big market team. I just wanted to talk about that with you guys because uh, 808's and Stack Break said it might, it sounded a bit like sour grapes, which I think there was some of that. This is a game that the sky clearly really wanted to win. But I think there is something to be said when you have Michael Alter, who we're not, I'm not going to lie and say he doesn't have bread, but he's not necessarily Mark Davis, who was present at the game last night. I know that there's been questions about his level of financial solvency, uh, considering the Raiders move and just what they had been dealing with prior to coming to Las Vegas. But do you think is basically, is it a yay or a nay in James Wade's assertion that Chicago, the Chicago sky are not a big market team in the WNBA as compared to Las Vegas? I think that if you were going to look at it last year, that, Look, Chicago is a big market. Let's just put that out there immediately. Chicago is a big market. Kathy Engelbert talked about earlier this year about how important it was to have a winning team in a big market like Chicago. Straight up, Chicago is a big market. Every sports fan in the city believes that. That's why we expect so much from our teams because this is one of the best cities in the country in terms of sports teams. And I would say that as well. And... I think the sky are still building up those resources that maybe like they're a big market team with like with small market resources. I do know that Michael Alter, like I talked to him for a story that I wrote on Laura Ricketts and the sky potentially um, become like for her becoming an investor with the sky. And Michael said, look, if we need something, money is not a problem. He's um, so if, if that is the case um, and look, that could mean anything. I mean, he could also just be blowing smoke, but I didn't get that feeling from when I spoke with him. If if that is the case, like, I don't know. I just, I just, I don't know how you can make, like, if you're talking about the on, because it did seem like he was talking about the on court, like thing, like the, with the officiating, that's what it came across to me as like, okay. the like the Las Vegas aces are like, he didn't say this, but it's like, they're the darlings of the league. So they're going to get the, like the, the call, the, the, the calls, that we want. And since we're like a team that just like, it hasn't ever had that before. Like that's where it came across to me as like, I didn't, I don't think you can classify Chicago as a small market. Like I think a lot of people here would, I don't want to say take offense to that would just like raise an eyebrow, which I didn't see this on social media. So this is, uh, this is actually kind of news to me. <laughs> Steven. So when I asked the question and then he went into, into that part of in my head, I automatically knew, like, essentially where he was coming from. Being a being an athlete, being a competitor in any capacity, um, you know, he's looking at, he's looking across the board, and he's looking at the glitz and glamour. He's looking at the um, the mainstream personalities and all the attention that that garners from the aces. So I looked at it when he responded to that question. I looked at it in an on-court sense as well, as James said, but I looked at it more so as the players, like the stature of the players on the aces and all that comes with that from a social media perspective, from the media and the WNBA um, to writers and, you know, things of that nature, always generating attention around them. 
he's like, meanwhile, you know, my team's in first place. We just had four three-plus game win streaks in the season so far. No one else has done that. Uh, first to clinch, like, we're doing all these things that no one else has done. We're dominating on the court. Our brand and our product is just not as pyrotechnic as, you know, the aces. So he's trying to figure out, he's trying to figure out, like, why, like, what's the what's the reasoning behind it? Because it's not making sense to him as a competitor. Like, just putting all the other, like, titles and things aside, as a competitor, if, you, if you're doing better than another team and you're not getting the attention that the other team is getting, that's going to naturally rub you the wrong way. And just kind of looking at it from that lens and kind of relating to him in that sense, that's that's how I interpreted his answer. I didn't even think it was anything that was specifically Vegas's market versus Chicago's market, like generating revenue and things of that nature. It was just all about the players on each team and comparing how one team's personalities get attention and whatnot versus the others, you know. And and I know, James, you did. I didn't even think about that. You did put the article out um, for the Tribune about the, the Laura Ricketts information heard uh, and being interested in investing in the team. But you made a point to say on that podcast that there's nothing moving forward yet. So it, it's not like the sky are a venture. You know, they're, they're not looking for angel investors. This isn't a venture capital fund uh, or, or a team that's that's, you know, this isn't Shark Tank. This isn't a Shark Tank team. <laughs> so I, I think, you know, we know James Wade, we know how hard he goes for his squad. And I think it was just some of that, like, being kind of that upset about the loss setting in at that time. I think some of the responses that people gave, uh, somebody, somebody called him Vicky Johnson with a ring uh, on Twitter, but that was a, that's, that's a lot. Wild. That's a that's lot. Um, so we're, we're just, uh, we're just going to say that. That's not disgusting. That anymore. <laughs> Not for sure. Hey, can I add one more thing too? Go for it. So, so that that response, and when you bring context to it and understand who James is, I feel like that response is why he's the best coach in the W, because he's gonna back his players to a different level of extent that I've seen from other coaches, whether it's like directly or if it's behind the scenes. He's doing both, and because he's doing both, and he's been doing both since he's been there with the players that are funneled through in and out and the ones that are here now, the ones that got to ship last year and the ones that are working towards getting another one this year, because that consistency in his, in his response to things, uh, whether it's uh, from the media, whether it might be self-inflicted, whether whatever, whatever the case may be, because he responds that way and he has that backing up of his team and ownership of everything and accountability as well, that's why he's the best. And that's why he gets the response from his players that he does because everybody clearly bought into the system like, we talk about Dana not playing as much as some people might want her to. She's not griping, complaining. She's not on Twitter. She's not in the media. She shows up every day. She got the same energy. She's uplifting her teammates, and she's coming in and producing in the minutes that she's given. And I feel like that's the perfect case study in seeing just how bought in everybody is into the system and the culture that he has in place. Like, Dana's, a, Dana's a arguably a starting point guard on most teams in the W if you're looking at it. And just the fact that she's okay with being in the minutes that she's in that just kind of a microcosm of how bought in everybody from one to the bottom of the roster is and all the coaches and trainers and everybody else involved. So James being that way is the reason why he's the best coach. And I feel like that answer kind of entails that a little more. Yeah. I, can, you mind if I follow up on that real quick? Go for quick, it. Chris. That makes point of sense. I think that's probably one of the most underrated parts of the Chicago Sky team is that everyone is so willing to sacrifice. Like they're just not many people – that would just, I don't know, I don't know if the sky are going to be able to win any awards this year. I don't think Candace and Emma 
are going to be put in that conversation just because, you know, again, there's just a new hero every night for the sky. It feels like there's just, you don't really see a different, um, you don't see one person consistently being like, Oh, they put up 30 and 15 tonight or something like that. You know, like they don't have like those big games consistently enough where they're put in the MVP conversation, even though I think that's a really interesting conversation to have, which we probably should down the line. Um, but to have everybody bought in, like even Azure Stevens, who helped lead this team to a championship last year, was in the starting group in the playoffs last year, just to take a bench role now. I mean, that says a lot about her. That says a lot about like the conversations that James Wade has had with this team about making sure that everyone is aligned about what the goal is, which it should be a championship. Like, I think sometimes it's funny what we see in not just the W, but the NBA. It's like, hey, if you're a key player on a championship team, that actually opens up more opportunities for you than if you were to leave for a worse team that will just let you shoot the ball 25 to 30 times a game. It's like, no, be a key player, show that you're a winner, and that actually opens up more opportunities for you. I think the way that James has communicated that sentiment is great. Look, the whole us against the world thing, I don't always 100% understand it on the sky's end, or honestly, like we just see every team where they, they could be, they can go 99 and 0, and then they'll lose one game. The press will talk about them losing the one game. And then it's like, Oh, everyone's going against us. It's like, no, it's just like what happened <laughs> Like in the game. It's like, this doesn't have to be an us versus like against the, like us against the world. But I think you kind of have to find ways to motivate yourself. And when you, especially when you're 21 seven and what's like, and you hear a podcast where someone's like, criticizes how you did like you're going to want to use that as motivation to keep elevating your play which I understand from a team perspective but on the outside it's just like you're still the top team in the league people still view you as the top team in the league and you know I think that's probably where James got some criticism last night again I didn't see anything on social media I um I didn't see what people were saying I mean that Vicky Johnson comment is just atrocious but um <laughs> no like uh I I think maybe that's where he probably got got some flack, but no one's going to care about it if he wins, like if this guy won a championship. So that's all I, I will say. say <laughs> I will say this. So that like keeping it, like having a chip on your shoulder, like when you have it naturally there, like like James always mentioned, how he got essentially everything he has as a coach out the mud. He worked he worked his way from the bottom to the top. Like you don't get to those positions by just being like willy nilly about things. You gotta have a chip on your shoulder whether there's success whether there's is on the way or there's no success at all. You have to have that chip on your shoulder, you know, to 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 be that type of person you need to be to get what you and I mean that's just how he got to where he is. And I mean you can look at players like like Kobe, like rest in peace to Kobe, but Kobe was um labeled like an asshole at times just because of his response whether it was uh, whether facial expressions or verbally the things just because of how he responded, that's just naturally a chip on your shoulder. You know, you don't get to those positions of being great and the successes that other people don't get by being the same way as them, you know. So when I bring that perspective to it, that's just why I can completely reason with James and understand where he's coming from on everything. I think if, if there's a way to embody it perfectly for me and some, some of y'all uh, listeners and you guys might get this, there, there's a part at the end of the Can't Tell Me Nothing track by Kanye where they take mm -hmm. that um, young Jeezy sample and he's just, it feels like he's screaming into the, the abyss. Just, 
I'm serious, nigga. And that's like, <laughs> like that feels like James Wade. And that's not a bad thing because I feel that internally too. It's just kind of like Charlie Brown standing on the on the on the mound in peanuts, just saying, like, you know, I should be okay. I should be happy. I've got my health. I've got all this. And then he's just like, but I can't help it. I want to win. Mm-hmm. And that is James Wade to a T. So he, we, we know James, we talked about this. He refocused uh, through the pandemic, after the pandemic, and he's been much more um, open and I think receptive of the good things going on and not just singularly focused on the X's and O's and the outcome. But he's still a guy with a group that wants to win. Even Sky Show Shy said it. Um, I think the Sky are addicted to winning, and, and I can, I am too talking about that game against the Liberty where they a loss would have been understandable if not acceptable but they made it close because they follow their coach and they follow their leaders and their leaders are set on getting those W's one more quick quote that I that we have from the press conference is Asia Wilson talking about Don Staley being on the uh the, the broadcast crew and she said that she she loves playing in front of Coach Staley. She had a little raspberry after it, but she it was it was really obvious. It was really cool, uh, just that that bond is still there. She's just like that's my girl, you know. Talking about a coach, I think that's an incredible way just to describe somebody who coached you for uh, an extended period of time as an adolescent. And I think in the future, I want to see more of players, you know, former coaches I and mean, former Olympians on the broadcast crew, like the, the way that they had it set up. Also, shout out to Sarah Kustak for coming back to Chicago. Miss you, Sarah, all day. Uh, oh but it was really dope having Dawn Staley on that crew, um, even if she did probably spur Asia to put up that 17 and 17. So, um, I mean, I don't know if you guys felt it at all in the press room at all, but like to have Sarah Kustak, Don Staley, James Wade, like three really important voices, three people that had just different journeys of life to get to the point where they are now and really battling adversity to get to the point where they're at. I'm like, God, I felt that energy, man. Like that was like, <laughs> I turned back and I didn't even know that Don was there. Like I turned back and I'm like, Don Staley's here. Like I got a little bit of butterflies, like knowing that those, I, I respect Don and uh sarah so much i actually got a chance to interview her and i was like shaking in my boots the entire time as it was happening um but yeah i mean just a man so many people were there i mean like you talked about it too man like mark davis was there just a lot of high profile people were at this game yesterday so i thought that added to the atmosphere as well yeah that was the the stars were out there tonight i think the only person who i expected to see out there that i didn't was Lori lightfoot and maybe she was there i just missed her but everybody was out there tonight, honestly. Mm-hmm. All right, we're going to do our last segment uh, called What Do You Say With Azaray? As always, thanks to Sabria Whitaker for coining that one. And I think this is an interesting one, partially just because Z, the medium. Always be kinder than necessary. What goes around comes around. No one has ever made themselves strong by showing how small someone else is. And there's so many things that can be put in that context just from the present day, from the Liz Cambage news, from the just the medium that Twitter is and how it traditionally works, to the uh, just the way that things are done kind of now as, as issues have become more one side and the other. I, I saw a friend of mine talking about how 
bullying works because uh, a homophobic, I think a business owner in their part of Canada was either recanted a statement or went out of business, something like that. So it's, I think it's really interesting that Z said that. And I know it'd be really easy for us to say, well, that makes a lot of sense and it's true. You know, you should be kinder than necessary. But do you think that that sentiment, to get philosophical for a moment, does that have a place in our world anymore? Oh my God, yes, man. I mean, I think that, um, I don't want to get into it too much, but what went down on Twitter the other day with, um, I don't know, like the full, I didn't go on the entire space and everything, but like the joy people had on dunking on people in general, it's not even just like one instance, this is just a thing on Twitter that I try to remove myself from every time. It's like, I don't get why you need to dunk on someone. Um, I don't get why you find joy in telling people that like how much of a piece of shit they are. Um, I even I get that temptation, like being kind to people, putting out that positive energy, like that has a real effect on you that impacts the people around you. And yeah, I, I just, I don't know, like, isn't it easier just to be able to be a good person and try to fix a situation through kindness than to make a situation go more haywire by continuously bashing a person when again like I, when you brought up twitter just now chris i mean it really that kind of triggered me with it because i'm like it really bothered I, I think it's just the absolute worst place to have real discourse and it really bugs me to see like some members of our community engage with people that don't deserve our time or energy and just come i just think that we can go about things in a, in a different way than what we've seen WNBA twitter kind of turn into over the last two years and that sentiment that azrae put out i fucking love that just be kind and it's kind of like what candace said last year like just put your head down be a good person and the universe will come back to you when it's ready to so yeah, I'm sorry. I mean, I know that was probably like we kind of keep this segment That's what light I asked usually, for. but That's exactly in, what I asked for. It's just been it's tough, man. It's just been tough to see this is what our community is becoming and that I don't want it to become NBA Twitter and it scares the shit out of me every day when I see it becoming more and more like it literally every day. So, yeah, that's what made me think of that as like what what I first thought of when you shared that as a tweet. Yeah. <clears throat> Twitter can be a very, very dangerous place in terms of negativity um, and in terms of just being able to consume so many other people's thoughts just naturally. That's not, that's just not like, that's not good for your health, especially if you're consuming the wrong things. So what Azrae said was extremely apt. And to answer your question, Chris, I feel like, yes, it's, that's something that you should be able to, you know, put forth. But clearly that's not something that's reciprocated, um, generally speaking, because we still have the people that take great depths of enjoyment from, you know, putting all this negative energy and just going out their way to try to demean or belittle somebody else um, with no real, like, logical reasoning. And that just, when, when I see things like that, um, because I have a brother that's in psychology, he majored in psychology and all of that, he's always broken things down to me to where they make sense in like layman's terms. So when you look at people that are doing things like that, that's speaking to something that they have going on, whether it's a lack of understanding about something, uh, unsurety they might have, or just generally not being comfortable with themselves. So they kind of project all of those things or whatever it is might be going on behind closed doors with them. They project that in that specific moment. 
and they do it continuously. And it's like when you're doing things like that, you can't be called out on it because it's a weak spot. So if you mention it, now it's going to become a thing. So they just continue to project these things. And it's not until they have some kind of come in a full circle moment to where they think about everything that they've done or did. Um, and it just kind of hits them at one point, like, man, maybe I should kind of try to change this. You know, it's people out here that just, you know, they just really won't have that moment. But the ones that do, those are the ones that I kind of appreciate even more because you've been there before and now you're able to kind of relate to those people a little more. So just generally speaking, um, yeah, what, what, what Azaree said was perfect. Just just be nice and be kind. It's not hard. And 808s, funny <laughs> you mentioned him a few times, Chris, 808s always tweets out, uh, it's a perfect day to be nice. It, and uh, I like quoting it and responding with, like, it's free. Like, it's free. It's not taxing for you emotionally. Like, past point, it's not, a, it's not taxing to you emotionally at all. It's just be nice. Actually, it adds to your currency as far as emotions and vibes and energy. So it's really something that, she, that people should invest more into, quite honestly. Stephen, we're about to enter a recession. It might Being nice might get taxed <laughs> at a certain point. So we'll, uh, we'll see. Fingers crossed that it doesn't. But hey, I love hey, everything quiet, you said. Hey, quiet as it's kept, kept being nice is already taxed on. <laughs> but that's a whole other topic. <laughs> I was getting into some Clockwork Orange, Brave New World territory there. <laughs> Oh but God. we're already in a dystopian future, so I don't know who, who's to say. Yeah, that's that's the way to end the podcast. Yeah. Right now. <laughs> <laughs> we got the sky coming up next against the Liberty. As always, keep it locked here with the Skyhook Podcast. Thank you to Stephen Gardner for coming on with us of Nuts and Bolts Sports. Stephen, let the people know where they can find you, please. Yeah, so my my name on all social media platforms is at Stay True. S dot three, that's S-T-A-Y-T-R-U-E-S-D-O-T-3 on all social media platforms. I'm always talking hoop. I'm always down to talk hoop. Um, so, yeah. And also, it's not just a basketball account. Like, I put my personal thoughts out there and things like that. So, always feel free to engage with me. I'm always willing to have a conversation and learn from people more than anything else because I'm not always right about everything. So, I'm always down to learn. I'm a natural learner. So, yeah. Follow me there. I'll engage with you. You engage with me. And let's be great together. Let's make this world a better place. James, I want to welcome you back to the show. Um, it's been dip, it's been it hasn't been the same without you, man. What was the best thing that you did in your time off? Well, Chris, I mean, um, one great that we got a chance to link up again. Um, you know, we recorded a podcast, but I've been dealing with some health issues. So I didn't really <laughs> I mean, I rested. I slept a lot. Um, stayed in bed the entire time just because I am dealing with some heart stuff. Um, so, you know, that has been, it's been nice to take a step back because I really haven't taken a break since the finals, <laughs> like last year's finals. You know, I had like a couple of days in San Francisco, but even then I was just thinking about free agency the entire time. And my friend was frustrated just me taking out a notebook at one point, just like, okay, but if Courtney <laughs> Vandersloot takes a $25,000 deal, being a pain or decrease um but um no man i mean it's just been good it was good to just like delete all social media not think about i mean try my hardest not to think about the sky and the WNBA, and uh take some time off i didn't realize how important that is um especially when the doctor calls saying you need to take time off i'm like fuck um but no it's uh so i'm so glad to be back here and um put out more of these because, you know, we really appreciate all of our listeners who tune in and, you know, one, I want to shout out one person real fast. Um, 
think is Jeremy Rosenberg, I believe his name. Um, he donated to us recently. I just saw that today because I've, again, just been swamped trying to battle these health issues that I've been dealing with. And my God, like and anyone, even if you give a penny, even if you don't and just listen to the show, we just, we really appreciate you because, you know, we started this because we want to give people another outlet outside of articles to be able to like learn about this guy and hear opinions about this guy. So we 100% appreciate you. This I'm rambling at this point. I'll let you get, get back to you, Chris. <laughs> no, no. We you all know the sentiments. Y'all feel you. We appreciate every single person who tunes in. I was looking at the Podbean numbers over the over the history, and we, I mean, James started this whole thing. Uh, we basically just combined forces. Uh, but we're getting downloads two or three times what they were in 2019 and 2020. So y'all really rode with us. We get the chance to bring on guests like Steven, like Sabria Whitaker, like Andy Costable, the people that we've had on and appreciate everything that y'all have done for us. And we're going to keep doing this for you. Um, you know where to find James, the originator. He's James underscore M underscore K on Twitter. Uh, don't get in his DMs. It's taken. <laughs> He's not out here for y'all. <laughs> Didn't expect, wow, that's just a back to 12, we know, 6 curveball. We know that y'all right are there. thirsty, but stay out his DMs. We know that y'all are thirsty. <laughs> what is going on with this podcast? This, this is what I expected from the, what did he say with Azure or whatever? Like, that's what I expected from this. God damn it, Chris. You said you had heart problems, and I assume that was because you're romantic. But people, be cool about it, all right? If you want to run it, James, bring a sign to a game and hold it up. That's Please how things are done in sports. <laughs> My girlfriend of seven years will just fucking love that. Um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> this is what I deal with, Steven. This podcast. <laughs> As always, people, be good and do great things and keep your head way above the clouds. We'll see you next time.